All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hi, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. It's episode number 55, and volatility's back, baby. Don Schreiber, you with me? Double five, let's go. Wow, that was loud. Holy cow. Don's, Don's fired up. You have a couple too many cups of coffee today, brother? I'm getting there. All right, so S&P Got some high test on board. Yeah, you know you know what was uh, a little uh, whacked out last week, too? The S&P 500, down 4.6%. Yeah, but I got the bull blend going today, man. Look at that market rally. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I think it's been a little bit more bare lately than it has been bull, Don. Uh, last three weeks, man, uh, down 3%, uh, over 3%, week number one, week number two, uh, up 3%, and then last week down 4.6%. I'd say it's a downward trend. What do you think? I'd say so. so you know, market's, market's been bleeding a lot of red ink. Yeah, and you know, we have dipped into correction territory now, or close to it, about four times this year. So you had January, uh, and, and that late January move, October, November, and December, where you know we've uh, gone from highs to a low again. We crept back up. We re, you know, uh, visited that low, went back up, revisited the low again. I mean, this is this is getting not uh, uh, nuts, you know. We have not seen that three week up, uh, down three, up three, down three. We haven't seen that type of week to week volatility since 2008. And in fact, in the last two months, the market's done five consecutive days negative three times. That hasn't happened since 84. Like, Don, where do we go from here, man? People are freaking out. You know, one of the things that surprises me is people still think the market's really up strongly for the year. And it's negative and for the not, year. And that is price. not true. And yeah, it's a- the mar- even the S&P is, you know, uh, was in uh, correction territory through yesterday. Now, today we're having a decent day. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the day. But, you know, the vast majority of stocks across the board are down. Bonds right. are down. You're you're absolutely right, and and pretty much on, everything is down. All sectors, commodities, gold, everything. Oil, we'll get everything. hey, we'll get to that in a second. Let's let's finish up our thread here on the S and P five hundred. So you said the overwhelming majority of stocks are down for the year. That's correct. Three hundred uh, of the uh, five hundred S and P five hundred stocks have a negative return uh, for the year through the end of last week. It was like two hundred ninety nine stocks. These are approximate numbers. Two hundred are down. Uh, 10% or more and a hundred are down 20% or more. That is the return that those companies are posting for the year, not their peak to trough. So companies are, are surely the vast majority of them marching towards a bear market here. Uh, as most of them are, uh, you know, posting um, negative returns in a correction and it only seemingly gets worse. I mean, the S&P through yesterday was only up 46 basis points with dividends. 
If you took Microsoft out, which was 0.82% of the 0.46 return, the S&P is negative for the year. One stock makes uh, the difference between uh, positive or negative for the year. It's nuts. Man, I tell you what, I'm tired of talking about the S&P 500. Me too, but it's real we really really what we're talking about are the fang stocks or the the leadership board, the top 10 growth and momentum names. You know, and that leadership board has changed a little bit this year, but for the last 5 years there have been four or five stocks that have just contributed almost all the positive performance to the quote unquote S&P 500. Same for the Nasdaq Yep. And I mean, that the top 10 leaderboard, you know, you, you mentioned the leaderboard accounts for over 3% of the total return this year. So you take that out and the other 490 stocks are on average down 3% with dividends and 5% on price. And that's well, on average. Yeah. What people don't realize is that every single index, most mutual fund managers, everybody it doesn't matter what their style is supposed to be, whether their value, whether they're indexing, or oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody has crowded more and more and more of their assets into that leaderboard. And, you know, that was looked like a really great idea until about June when Facebook took a face plant. <laughs> I love it. Facebook <laughs> takes a face plant. I mean, that's that's very true. It's actually wanting one of the leading detractors of return for the index. What a change of events. Now, you know, um, yesterday or the day before, uh, a guy named Jeff Gunlock did a webcast. And, uh, you know, when Gunlock speaks, I think people listen. It's kind of like when, you know, Chuck speaks, people listen. But, you know, Gunlock uh, seemed to have a lock. Uh, on on the market here and and you know what stocks and bonds are doing globally and what he thinks going to happen and so far his his prediction for the year looks pretty right but I wanted to get your opinion on his opinion and see you know if uh, there's some alignment there or uh, you know what well I, you know I think that uh, he's one of the folks that you know we routinely look for. Uh, who's got a lot of experience, who seems to be doing a pretty good job, you know, managing other people's money. Uh, Double line went from, you know, 80 million to about, uh, I don't know, 100, 150 billion. Um, Huge. Uh, rel relatively quickly. You know, he's one of the star bond fund managers. And, uh, you know, his comments, this most recent article, I picked it up in advisor, advisor perspectives. Pers yeah. Advisor perspectives. As you know, that's a must read as far as I'm concerned. He lays out very succinctly what he thinks going on. He's looking for the markets, you know, to uh, actually falter here uh, before recovery. And uh, so, you know, some of his commentary uh, happens to, you know, agree with the uh, kind of ideas that we have after our study of world markets, uh, you know. Uh, but we're also hearing and seeing instead of, you know, uh, good reasoned um, uh, 
warnings about what's going to happen in the marketplace, like Jeffrey Gunlock put out, uh, a lot of commentary that is talking about this time it's different. Well, I haven't heard so many people say this time it's different since 1999. Yeah, and there were a lot of people within the last couple of weeks say buy on the dip, like Wells Fargo said, you know, plow in. At the same time, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson said we're still in the rolling bear guys. So, you know, a guy like Ned Davis, Jeff Gunlock, uh, Jeremy Grantham have only added to some of the sane opinions out there maybe about the market. So let's dive into it here. You know, Gunlock says that the cape, you know, for uh, the S&P 500 is is high, right? And he says that the cape for emerging markets is, and the cape is the cyclically adjusted uh, price-to-earnings multiple. Uh, Schiller, you know, has put out a tremendous amount of information about this. But he says emerging market stocks, the CAPE is half that of the S&P 500, and he makes this case that, hey, it's undervalued. Should be people be plowing their money into emerging markets now? Now, he's not well, advocating so. for that, right? And we'll get to that right. in a second, I, but... I don't think so. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's a good entry point. You know, this idea of buy on the dip is uh, something that gets people in trouble constantly. Because it because might dip more, right? Oh, yeah. So sometimes the dip is just... You know, a, uh, a it starts to go back up, and then all of a sudden, it falls off a cliff. Right, it's a double. The dip. emerging the emerging markets may, in fact, have a lot further to go if we get into a global recession and something that is approximating the kind of trouble that we had financially in the financial crisis. So, you know, when we have the Fed which I believe has made a huge policy mistake in tightening interest rates as much as they have. I put out an article about the inverted yield curve last year, I'm sorry, uh, last week, which indicated, you know, um, not only do we have an inversion in the yield curve, but one of the things that Gunlock said that agrees with um, my analysis is that because we've got quantitative tightening, the Fed balance sheet being rolled off, which is putting pressure on uh, the long end of the bond curve. And on stocks, by the way. Right. And at the same time, the government is issuing more new debt on the long curve to deal with the tremendous deficit that we have. $1.3 trillion needs to be funded. And, you know, that's also putting pressure on the long end of the bond curve. Without that, we would see, you know, uh, bond prices falling um, and yields dramatically higher than they are now. Uh, the inversion um, that we would see right now with the Fed raising rates is probably being masked by some of the pressure that's in the system. So if we get back to the emerging markets, you say, yes, sound theory, but like Gunlock, you know, you might want to wait because there could be a reversion to mean event sometime in the near future. And that wouldn't be just U.S. markets. That could be, as you were suggesting, emerging markets could fall farther. Uh, but the U.S. market in terms of reversion to mean, do you think there could be a reversion to mean event here where P.E.s go from the 21 point, you know, three or whatever they were through the end of last week to back towards average, which is around 16? 
Sure, you could get a 20 or 25% correction from here, from here pretty easy. As a matter of fact, I think that's what, uh, you know, probably will happen. And all of a sudden, if we get more uh, stock market trouble, the folks around the world are going to pay attention. Central banks will get out of the tightening business. Um, they'll be back on the easing side of the equation. Um, hopefully, they can forestall a significant economic slowdown. I, I'm not so sure about that. Mm -hmm. um, but if they do, you know, we get a market correction, the Fed backs off, central banks back off their tightening plans in Europe, which doesn't make any sense to me with the slow GDP growth rate that they have. The Fed tightening here as tight as they've uh, done, you know, and the housing market is indicating that they're way ahead of where they should be. The economy is starting to slow and slow a lot faster than they thought it would, the Fed thought it would. And, you know, I think people are concerned about that growth. They're also concerned about how, um, you know, uh, profit comparisons look next year to the, uh, you know, really high hurdle comparisons we had this year. First quarter was a 20% growth rate over the prior year's quarter. Then we went to 24, and I think we were up to, you know, 27 or something like that for the third quarter. These are going to be really tough comparisons. And I believe corporate profits are going to look pretty growth. The growth in corporate profits will look pretty meager okay. next year. So uh, and, and that could if you go from, you know, great growth rates to more average, this could cause that reversion. I mean, is, is that kind of what you're thinking? You could have a bear market correction pretty easily. I think if you do, you know, that could help actually uh, adjust policy so that we get a, uh, a resumption of growth much quicker than what we normally would have to, or, or normally you would have. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, you do get a rally in emerging markets, which should recover first sometime before the end of next year. Now, uh, are markets signaling, right? Um, the moving averages recently, the 50-day has now fallen be, uh, low, the 200-day moving average, for nearly 80% of, of the global markets. They're in a, what they call a death cross pattern. Uh, does, the death cross. Does, does this mean that, uh, you know, uh, the market might be toast here? I mean, we got the Fed easing, kind of freaked out the market last week because they said there might not be a December rate hike. That's why we we're down 4.6%. But Well, the know. Fed isn't easing. All they're doing is moderating their tone they're laying off so, the the brake a little bit easing up a yeah, little bit on the brakes you know they've indicated that they're willing to get data dependent instead of assuming that they can raise rates without with impunity i i think that that's a really good change at, uh, of of rhetoric at the fed but i believe that they're still going to hike in december um we don't need another rate hike you know we're we've talked about this before we're having a a off of a 25 basis point Fed funds rate, a two and a half uh, Fed funds rate, if they raise a quarter in December, that's a 900% increase in interest yeah, rates. Yeah, that's bad news. Over bears. the last couple of years. And that's unprecedented. And is that, that one reason why, you know, 90% of asset classes with all this uh, turmoil and all the all this news, essentially, that we're talking about slowing growth, the Feds continue to ra uh, raise rates. 90% of asset classes are negative year to date. This is the highest since uh, 1900. Highest percentage of asset classes that are negative year to date. 
I think if you take a look at where we were uh, coming, you know, the financial crisis, we avoided another Great Depression. We've had this anemic uh, uh, growth uh, in recovery, the worst ever, 2% up until this year. And all of a sudden, the Fed starts raising rates. The thing that drove the markets higher was the Fed's accommodative monetary policy, close to zero interest rates for about eight, seven, eight years. Now the Fed has started to reverse course. And the reason why the market's having trouble is because the Fed has gone from filling up the punch bowl and making people extremely exuberant and happy. Spilling the punch bowl. They they basically drain the punch bowl and people are, uh, you know, have a, a, a hangover from, um, you know, the excessive easing that we've had. And you're seeing this all around the world where, you know, there's a change from massive accommodation to less accommodation and or tightening. And this thing has changed the tone of markets and investors. And I don't think it gets better. I think it gets worse before it gets better. All right. So, you know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about our Christmas list. We got the Fed to lay off the brakes a little bit. Uh, looks like we might get a Chinese trade deal. We've got a lot yep. of new news. President Trump's we've doing got a really good job. We've got a lot of new news uh, and, and risk that's out there across the globe. Do the Fed and the Chinese tri- potential Chinese trade deal trump this news? To end the year and early next year, uh, and and we'll uh, we'll analyze some of these uh, new risk factors that have materialized within just the last week. When we get back, interested in practice management and market commentary for our up to the minute take on markets and the economy? Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at WBI Investments. Are you interested in practice management and other insights on how to navigate today's market conditions? We also post regular market commentary on our website, wbiinvestments.com. So we're, we're back here. You know, we, we've had three to six months where, where returns, believe it or not, have been very negative for markets. So Russell 2000 over the last three months uh, through today, right now, uh, down 14.9%. Last six months, 13.2%. Uh, Russell 1000 is down 8.2 over the last three months and almost five over the last six months. Uh, the S&P 500 uh, down almost 8% uh, with the, the recent rally today, almost 8% over the last three months and 4.5% over the last six months. Uh, bonds uh, haven't even helped people as there hasn't really been a flight to quality until the last decline here. So, Don, you know, uh, you know, we got the Fed out of the way. We might get a Chinese trade deal, but we've got some some rising risk around the globe. You know, uh, confidence vote is occurring as we speak here, whether, you know, Theresa May keeps power in, in the UK. Uh, so you've got Brexit chaos Brexit might come back to bite her. Uh, you know, you got uh, Macron uh, having problems in France. You got those yellow jackets, you know. Yellow jackets are stinging Macron. That's for that's for sure. You know, uh, we, we've got that lady uh, in China, you know, who's a, you know, works for one of the larger tech companies who is 
dealing with uh, had de- business dealings with Iran that they tried to cover up, and that is almost getting in the way of a trade deal. But Trump said, "Hey, I'll intervene here." He wants to get that Chinese trade deal, but at the same time, he's got these. You know that not only the House of Commons in the UK is revolting against May, but you got the House of Representatives that might in the new year. Are these things that the market can overcome? House of Representatives are going to uh, definitely revolt. Probably uh, one side of the House, the control, is going to uh, really come heavy at Trump. And I think that it creates more angst for the market. It's really difficult with uh, the global uh, problems that we see that are going to face the news and investors along with some of the concerns about slowing economy, slowing corporate profits, the peak profits are behind us, peak growth is behind us potentially. Yep. Um, and these things are going to definitely weigh on investor psychology. Uh, if the market doesn't you know, get a significant boost from someplace uh, that we don't see right now, before, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks of trading here, we're going to have uh, negative returns for the year. Do you think we we can uh, muster positive returns to finish the year, or you think it's going to kind of be slightly positive? It's going to be another one of those twenty fifteen situations where the the couple of gross stocks, you know, are able to lift the 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 market into positive territory and give people a false sense of illusion of like the market's up and it's it's great. You think that's what's going to happen here, maybe? You know, I, I think we're starting to run out of time. I mean, certainly the market will do whatever investors decide. I think that the really choppy markets, the massive ups and downs that we saw over the last uh, you know couple of weeks trading is is indicative of institutional buying and selling, not of what the uh, you know man on the street investor is doing. You know, mom and pop aren't doing that. Not yet. You know, not yet. From, anyway, I mean, uh, from where from where we stand now. Uh, we have uh, seven more trading days until, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Eve. And during this period of time, many of the institutions, uh, a lot of the traders, a lot of the volume just dries up and disappears. We basically have next week and that will tell the tale. And and that could also be risky if, the you know, you have less volume. But one thing that mutual funds have to do right now, most of mutual, most of these mutual funds declared huge cap gains when they were up big for the year. Um, you know, they, they decided no better time than now to distribute, you know, their capital gains. And now a lot of funds have, you know, moderated back to single digit uh, returns for the year or even into, you know, uh, negative territory, single digit losses. And they are going to be distributing in a lot of instances, you know, single digit uh, cap gains burden to to investors. So could this create a little selling pressure over the next week, maybe or so? You bet. We've seen this before. I mean, investors, the last thing they want to tolerate is to have their their fund down for the year. And yet the fund is going to distribute, you know, a significant tax bill, you know, on on gains that they didn't get to keep. That's a disaster. And And if if they're not shareholders of record yet, uh, we could see a lot of selling next year to try to or I'm sorry, next week to try to avoid you know, uh, uh, being uh, sent a, uh, you know, Christmas present of of phantom uh, tax. Right. And if investors are actually caught with these big cap gains and disappointing returns, that could uh, cause some short-term selling to, to start next year, potentially. Wouldn't you think? 
Sure, you got to pay a tax bill. Sure. All right. So, um, you know, all in all, it seems like there's just a lot of risk out there. And, and uh, you know, while consumer confidence is still relatively high, it's starting to waver a little bit. Wages are up slightly on the last couple of readings. You know, home building and buying seems to be, uh, you know, down. And, and Gunlock says this, as we were talking about at the top of the episode, you know, surprising to the downside in the high end markets, you're having, you know, huge trouble due to the, uh, you know, Tax and Jobs Act. You know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California. These markets are, are taking some, uh, you know, a lot of inventory, not a lot of buy-in. Prices are starting to soften. Um, you know, interest rates are up. The cost of borrows up. Uh, are these things that start to have people reevaluate next year? There are lots on, um, you know, life in terms of investing. Hey, no doubt the high tax states on both coasts are the, the investors uh, that are there are going to have bigger tax bills than they did last year. And I think there's going to be a big surprise there. People are going to have to liquidate uh, some of their investments to come up with the cash to actually pay the bill before April 15th. So there could be some excess pressure because of the tax act, um, increasing the tax burden for most of the um, high tax uh, states where they used to get deductions. They no longer will. Um, and, you know, that could be some additional selling pressure. That's a, a really something we've got to keep an eye on. So there could be, uh, you know, a positive move to the upside due to some of the resolution in, in the Fed's uh, tone moderating and a Chinese trade deal. So we could have a short term upswing. Do you think volatility, you know, like we've seen? is here to stay, you know, a more normalized type of volatility profile and standard deviation for the markets? Unless the central banks around the world, especially the Fed in the U.S., creates another implied Fed backstop, the Fed put, if you will, because they're willing to lower interest rates and do anything and everything to stop the market from falling, the economy from faltering, um, we're going to see a significant increase in volatility uh, in 2019 on average. And are probably a repositioning and, and uh, you know, like a growth to value type of trade. People trying to seek safe havens and, and different areas of the market instead of just growth stocks. Would you, would you say that's probably right? Like a play, a play on emerging markets and these other type of opportunities that pers- uh, might be out there. Definitely a rotation, but before a rotation, I think we're going to get a repricing of assets, uh, you know, investment assets across the board uh, because, you know, th- there's a huge bubble that has been uh, put in play and investors really haven't awakened to the fact that the things that caused the bubble are no longer um, uh, in play. They're not there anymore. You know, the Fed's on the other side, as we talked about, removing the punch bowl. Uh, and I think that there's going to be a repricing of assets. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. 
and there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations services and fees are in the form ABV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Inc.